Welcome to the January 8th, 2019 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Podcast, where we cover the biggest stories of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency integrated with an in-depth market analysis. This is your host, Space Marine, live from my space station with my space wife. Say hello. All right, jumping into the market analysis. Bitcoin's around $4,000. It hasn't changed much from yesterday. There was a little event today, though. Uh, Bitcoin's price rose up like around noontime. It was around like, it went as low as 39.34 before midnight on the 7th on Bitstamp. And then it rose up to 41.12, $4,112 USD around noon. So it had a nice little rally between like midnight and noon. But then it crashed all at once. It looked like maybe it was going to start rattling. And it actually went above that level. It went to, on like January 6th, there was a short squeeze that caused it to go from 3800 to 4090 And it actually exceeded that level today during this little mini rally. But then it got slammed back down to earth, which sometimes happens when you're in space. So, it went from 4112 back down to like 4000 where it is right now. And I've been watching that $3,900 level because that's where the Chicago Mercantile Exchange CME Bitcoin futures traders probably took out positions, short sell positions at the beginning of the month. Well, like after the December contract expiration on December 28th, uh, that's probably where they took out their short positions. And they might be taking out more short positions at this $4,000 level, because I figure why not? If they're gonna short and then it rallies a little bit, why not take out short positions at a higher level? Because then when it crashes later, from whatever manipulation tactics they have, and I'm just I'm not just making that up. They run through Globex, which also runs the gold futures on Comex. And the gold uh, market has been completely manipulated and suppressed for decades now. And everyone in like the gold community, like this is the Bitcoin and crypto community that I speak for right now. But you know, I paid attention to the gold community when I was a, a kid, and everyone was complaining about, oh, the futures are destroying the market. They're printing tons of paper gold, and they have like a thousand times more paper gold than like actual gold in their vault. So it's kind of like a scam. And uh, they kind of like copy and pasted that strategy. It's Globex is the one doing it to the gold market, and then they copy and pasted it into the Bitcoin market. It's all cash settled Bitcoins on their futures, and they kind of short the market. And here's how, let's think of it this way. So they short the market, and then uh, the price of Bitcoin goes down because they sell Bitcoins on the actual spot market. And then um, when they cover, when then they buy Bitcoins with the money they make from the shorts, and they have more Bitcoin at the end of it. And then they short Bitcoin again. They sell Bitcoin. And uh, and then they buy more Bitcoin again with the money they make from the shorts and so on and so forth. So they're constantly increasing their supply of Bitcoin that they hold to manipulate the market. And they can keep making money off the shorts. And the Bitcoin's gone from $20,000 when the futures opened. That was, the day the futures opened was the day Bitcoin hit its highest price and began to crash. Within a month of the futures opening, Bitcoin went down 50% to $10,000. So they've made like tremendous amounts of Bitcoin in cash. So... Yeah, they kind of control the market right now, and that's legal. This is how futures work, and I guess Bitcoin has to get used to it. Uh, it's unfortunate that Commodity Futures Training Commission, CFTC, approved futures for such a small market. I mean, Bitcoin's like $70 billion market cap right now. Like gold is like $10 trillion, and they're controlled by Globex. So $70 billion is like shooting fish in a barrel for these Globex futures traders. But yeah, Bitcoin has to overcome it somehow, and uh, or just get used to it. And actually, one thing I like about this is that makes Bitcoin's price very predictable. So if anyone out there is listening, and you can look at the data, I did a big analysis of all the data, this is true. If you know which way the Bitcoin future CME traders 
are betting short or long for the month, you could probably make a lot of money. You could even join them. You could just go in there yourself and do it. You can go on any of these other exchanges like Bitfinex, BitMEX, and short and long yourself. And I think it's a lot more predictable now because of the futures. It's not good for the price of Bitcoin. Bitcoin's price would probably be way above 20000 right now. It's at 4000 because of this. But, you know, it's good for, like, trying to make money on predicting the price. It's kind of, like, obvious what's going on here. All right. So now going into the uh, rest of the market analysis. The total crypto market cap has risen slightly since yesterday. It was at, like, $135 billion, I believe. Now it's at, like, $136 billion. And Ethereum has gone down a little. It's at $150, basically, a $15.7 billion market cap. It's still like a $900 million ahead of Ripple. I'm glad to see Ethereum in second place. Ethereum Classic is like where a big story happened yesterday, and it continues. Like There's actually like three days in a row they've been 51% attacked. And Ethereum Classic is not Ethereum. Ethereum Classic is a spinoff of Ethereum. And it's interesting how this happened, so let me just explain it. It's really ironic. So Ethereum Classic formed when Ethereum got hacked. So Ethereum had this nice big developer fund with like tens of millions of dollars and then it got hacked. And then Ethereum's like, okay, we're rewinding the blockchain, we're gonna get the money back. And then Ethereum Classics community said, no, we like immutability and security and nothing could be reversed. So even though they were reversing it to get the money back for all the developers and stuff and all the projects, Ethereum Classics said, no, we don't like reversing stuff. So they formed their own version of Ethereum called Ethereum Classic. It's worth a lot less than Ethereum. It's worth like 30 times less than Ethereum right now. And then, ironically, they got 51% attacked, and that means a bunch of transactions were reversed. So they were created out of the principle of not reversing transactions, and then someone hacked them and reversed a bunch of transactions. And that really calls into question, you know, is this cryptocurrency worth anything? It's still worth around $5 right now, $530 million market cap, even though it's clear. A hacker out there has, like, more than enough hash power to uh, generate their own chain and then replace, like use their chain to replace the actual chain and double spend transactions. How does this work? Let me just explain the double spend real quick. Uh, basically, if you have 51% or more of the hashing power in a network, you could generate the longest blockchain. And then you take that longest blockchain and you, you kind of like substitute it in for the actual chain. And then because you have the longest chain, it becomes the chain. How do you use that to steal money? Well, if you send a transaction on the old chain, the chain that everyone else is using, and then you make your own chain where that transaction doesn't exist. So basically you could send Bitcoin, no, I mean, you could send Ethereum Classic to an exchange, and then the exchange accepts your deposit, you trade it for Bitcoin and withdraw it. So you got the Bitcoin, but then you send in, then you send in your longest chain into the blockchain, and that transaction disappears and the Ethereum Classic go back into your wallet. So you have Bitcoin and Ethereum Classic now, and you didn't pay anything, you robbed. So that's very hard to do, and it must be like a bunch of people working together, because Ethereum Classic's not the biggest cryptocurrency, but it's like, you know, it's number 18 on coin market cap. It probably took quite an organized effort from like some sort of crime group, basically, to make that happen, and they obviously have enough power to make it happen over and over, so I would not invest in Ethereum Classic right now. Coinbase is considering delisting, and one of the best attributes of Ethereum Classic, which isn't that big of a deal, but it's... It is a big deal to some people as it's listed on Coinbase, the biggest exchange in the United States. Well, headquartered in the United States at least, but Coinbase has stopped all deposits and withdrawals and they're considering delisting it, which is the safe thing to do. It's actually irresponsible to keep Ethereum Classic like on the exchange or any exchange, but OKX, which is like in China, or it's not China, it's actually like offshore now because everything got kicked out of China. But uh, yeah, OKX says, yeah, we're going to still have uh, deposits and withdrawals for Ethereum Classic. I think that's irresponsible uh, because whoever hacked... 
Ethereum Classic. And by the way, Coinbase did an analysis. They found 15 different attacks. 15 different 51% attacks, most of which were associated with double spends, which is basically like robberies. And then $1.1 million was stolen so far. And it's happened like three days in a row. And the most recent one was like 12 hours ago or something. So, I mean, it could keep happening. It seems like they take a little break and then do it in the middle of the night or something like that. When everyone's asleep. That makes sense, doesn't it? Anyways, back to the rest of the market analysis. And, okay, how does this link into Ethereum? Okay, so Ethereum Classic's down 10%, but Ethereum is also going down too because it's kind of causing a war in the community. Basically, they're saying we need to block ASIC mining now because they're blaming it on ASIC miners because ASIC miners' application-specific integrated circuits are the most powerful mining machines, and that sort of makes a 51% attack possible, even though a lot of honest miners use ASICs too. So they're trying to like use this as evidence we've got to block ASICs, and that would disenfranchise all the Ethereum miners. So a bit of a battle starting in the community. Like, we might be seeing miners dump all their holdings at this point, and maybe they'll um, form their own version of Ethereum or something. And there could be a little bit of a battle forming. It's not really visible yet in the public. A little bit started going over on Twitter when the Ethereum Classic attack happened. In the Ethereum community, they started fighting a little bit. And the fork, Ethereum's having a Constantinople hard fork in about a week or less. It's, I think it's about a week. And at that point, uh, they might block ASIC mining. They're definitely re reducing block rewards from 3 Ether to 2 Ether. So the miners could do something here, like a battle. Not unlike the Bitcoin Cash War in November 2018. And what we saw during the Bitcoin Cash War is the price of Bitcoin Cash rose up to like $600 over that. And then they had a war in the community. Now we have Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. They split apart like mitosis of a cell or something. And then the prices crashed collectively. Right now, Bitcoin Cash is at $160, and Bitcoin SV is at $87. And they used to be together, now they're apart, and they're worth a lot less. Hopefully, that doesn't happen to Ethereum. Ethereum is one of the most promising platforms that we need for the future. And I think even if there is a big battle, and it gets wrecked for a while, it's going to come back. But, you know, it's going to be turbulent times ahead for Ethereum, probably. At the best, it's just going to be tension-filled. All right, how about the rest of the market? Well, it's quite stable. Litecoin's up a lot today, though. Litecoin's at $40. Litecoin's been having a nice rally uh, over the past month or two. About about the past month. So Litecoin's way up. It's up over 50% on the month, probably 60%, 70%, probably 60%. Uh, $2.4 billion market cap. Litecoin's kind of like Bitcoin, except it's for script miners. It's going to be around long term. How about Tether? Tether's at $1.02 still. It's not stable coin. It's called a stable coin, but it's never at a dollar. It's supposed to be at one dollar and represent like USD. Monero. Monero's doing okay, I guess. It's at $53. It's the number one privacy coin. Dash is at $81. I guess that hasn't really changed much in the past day. Dash is down a little. I think Monero's up a little. And I know everyone's thinking, what about Dogecoin? The coin with a dog on it. Well, it's about the same. It says it's down 1% today, but this is like where I saw it yesterday, like $267 million. Oh yeah, and there's a new coin on the block. I think it actually launched in 2017, but it's like Turtle Coin. And I really love turtles, and I'm excited that there's Turtle Coin. And I asked them in their community, like, hey, can you mine this on your own personal computer? And I'm like, yeah, like barely anyone's mining it, so you know, you'll probably make some Turtle Coins. But yeah, there's lots of coins that are kind of like... But actually, Turtle Coin, they're actually tipping each other. You know, that's kind of rare. Even in the Dogecoin community, the tipping's kind of calmed down. But Turtle Coin, they're tipping each other Turtle Coin, so it might be fun for people that like to earn small amounts of coins and interact. Anyways, how about the news? Well, I talked about a bunch of the news regarding Ethereum Classic. Other than that, Coinbase says they're going to add like 31 different coins to their exchange. Well, they're reviewing them, and that includes Stellar, 
which is like one of the top cryptos. But yeah, Coinbase says they're about to add a bunch of coins, but they don't know exactly what yet. But they li they released a list of 31 cryptocurrencies and said they're reviewing it. So yeah, Coinbase has kind of been going the way of like Binance. They're adding as many cryptocurrencies as possible. Other than that, though, there's not much going on in the news. I mean, the market's been kind of like stable today. When you just draw a line across, it's like it hasn't moved today. The news is about the same. There's not much news. Apparently, today is the 10-year anniversary that Satoshi Nakamoto made Bitcoin public, though. That's, like, I guess, another interesting story. So, Satoshi first launched Bitcoin. I mean, he told everyone that he was launching it on Halloween. And then, uh, well, he told he released the white paper on Halloween, so people knew Bitcoin was coming, but not that many people paid attention. And even after Bitcoin launched, like, years later, people were like, oh, wow, this digital money's worth nothing. Like, I saw one was worth $7, and I thought it was, like... You know, why would I put $7 into something that's digital? And it, now it's worth 4000 so I'm kind of sad about that, but I don't, you know, that's God's will. So, uh, on January 3rd, 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto, like, mined the Genesis block. And then apparently, on January 8th, 2009, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto released, like, the actual wallet so other people could join it. So that means there's about five days where he's mining Bitcoin by himself, which partially explains why he has so many Bitcoins, but not really. So few people were using the Bitcoin network even after he released it to the public, apparently like 10 years ago today, that like he had to keep it alive. There was like him and like one other guy named Hal Finney and maybe a few other people, I guess like Craig Wright and uh, Dave Kleiman and stuff. Like there was only like a handful of people using Bitcoin for a while and they kept it alive. So he earned like a million Bitcoins. Satoshi earned a million Bitcoins by mining them. And some people might be like, oh, there was a five-day pre-mine. Like, who cares? Like, he was one of the only people mining it for, like, a year, pretty much. Maybe not a whole year, but months and months and months. No one was using the network. He was keeping it alive. He deserves those million Bitcoins. And by the way, Satoshi never sold his Bitcoins as far as we know. I mean, I guess that can't really be said. A lot of his Bitcoins definitely haven't been sold, but I'm sure he siphoned off a few and no one really knows. Because, I mean, he's, like, the master of cryptography. There's no way for people to know if he sold, like, some Bitcoins. But... As far as we know, like a million Bitcoins at least of his are just sitting there, and that's worth billions of dollars. And if he's alive, he's like really, really rich. And hopefully no one knows who he is. So I'm not going to go into like how we got to keep Satoshi secret. Like there's so many journalists trying to like expose him. It would really put him in danger. I don't blame him for being like anonymous. So, but yeah, and then I believe a couple days from now, I think it was January 10th, and that article will come out on Bitcoin News soon. Uh... Like, Bitcoin became, like, an actual currency. People started sending it to each other. But it was, like, a group of these, like, early people. Like, Satoshi Nakamoto sent, like, 10 Bitcoins to Hal Finney. And then Hal Finney sent some somewhere. And But, yeah, it became a currency, like, maybe a couple days from now, 10 years ago. All right, that's all we have for you today on this January 8th, 2019 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast. Uh, go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency analysis. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. Activating the thrusters going to the Andromeda Galaxy. Adios, amigos. Let's go to space.